1: Welcome to another episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Join with me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, DJ Elliott. DJ, how are we doing this wonderful Monday morning, brother?
2: You know what? I've never had an introduction that good before. And I get it every Monday morning and it just gets me fired up, man, just to be on this show. I'm just trying to get your week
1: started right, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's the what I need, man. It's what I need. Hey, it's, it's Monday morning. There's nothing to talk about this Monday morning. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh, college football has turned into a daytime drama, man. I mean, there's more going on than there is on Yellowstone in college football right now. <laughs> it you is know? it's a huge it's a soap opera, man. I mean, it's what's on the field, what's off the field. I mean, it's just a it's a complete and utter just Uh, chaos. I kind of like it a little bit. It's it's actually entertaining. Um, It's not so entertaining for the guys that are actually working and doing it right now, but we'll talk about that later. But All right, so let's start off. Let's talk about the championship week. Um, Great games, and we'll start off talking about the uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor. I know you and I were watching that one pretty close. Um, (laughs) I mean, just punt. There was too much defense. Every – I mean, I don't know if the – I know at one time I quit counting, but I think at the end – I mean, the, the cra- two crazy things were at, at to the end, and maybe if there was something that happened late, I don't remember, but at one point in time, like deep in the fourth quarter, only like seven points of the entire game came off somebody driving the field and scoring, I think Baylor did that one time. And the rest of them were off either turnovers, and like we talked about, turnover on downs, which is a turnover, um, which is insane. Um, the uh, The other <laughs> – and the other good fact was, this blew my mind, Oklahoma State had 17 plays inside Baylor's 10-yard line and scored three points. Oh, it's crazy, man.
2: That's crazy. I mean. I, I, I could talk all day about the dynamics of college football within that game, especially from a defensive standpoint. But the bottom line is winning situations is more important than winning the total yardage. I don't know what the total yardage was in the game, but the fact that Baylor was able to win in the red zone and win on third down, okay, is what won the game for them. And the fact that they won the turnover battle. You know, regardless of what yards were were received in that game, it didn't matter because the situations were won by Baylor. And that's a difference in winning and losing.
1: You know, another interesting thing that nobody's going to talk about except for you and I. Um, because everybody else has no idea what, what was going on. But <clears throat> at the end of the game, okay, so for those that didn't watch, um, Oklahoma State has the – they need to score a touchdown. They have the ball, what is it, first and goal from the one? Yes. It's, it was at the one, right? They had a first and, so it and goal from the time, one but,
2: twice and didn't get a touchdown.
1: Yeah. I'm talking about the very last – Right. The very last drive, okay? They had first and goal at the one. And, and I want to bring analytics into this for a minute because, and, and then – broadcasting in this all right so the first thing is this is there was a little time left on the clock okay and so Oklahoma State got into a situation into into a predictable situation to where they were probably doing some things offensively that that wasn't their bread and butter knowing if they got stopped that the clock was going to continue to run and they were going to try to run that clock down as far as they could and not leave Baylor at any time to score. Okay? And I get that. Okay? I do. I get that. But this is the Big 12 Championship game and you got one of the best defenses in the country on the other side. I mean, I get doing it one time, but they did it three times in a row, or really two times in a row, then tried to get sneaky and do the same thing. Well, they they basically called three plays that probably wasn't their best plays from the one-yard line, thinking we just got to get a yard, and it ended up backfiring on them because Baylor also knew that they what they were doing, and so they were, you know, heavy run-oriented, you know, and were able to call their defense and and scheme and be a little bit more heavy-footed, you know, in the trenches, knowing what Oklahoma State was going to do, and that really wasn't their bread and butter. Again, trying to be cute running the clock down as far as we can, when I think if they just did what they normally do and just score the touchdown – um you know that we're having a different outcome well there was
2: a the um there was a pass interference that we gave him another set of downs and that was after Baylor used all their timeout so Baylor used all their timeouts in the in the series of downs before you know thinking that if they scored that they would have time on the clock to um know, to get a chance to go down the field and score two. and on third down, Baylor gets a pass interference, which now gives Oklahoma State a new set of towns with Baylor without any timeouts. You know what I'm saying? And so that's yeah. that's probably why that philosophy came into play because they knew they didn't have any timeouts. You know, if Baylor had had timeouts, they would just run their offense. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with. I understand like the general idea of it, and I'm and I'm not even opposed to like. I'm not even opposed, maybe one time to get in the clock, you know, kill 40 seconds, or whatever it is, but it just, it backfired this time. And it's like one of those deals that everybody's, that you only really talk about when it doesn't work, you know. Um, if they had scored on third down or fourth down, I think everybody'd be happy, but it cost them a Big 12 championship. And probably, arguably, it, it cost them a championship. I, I would have been interested to see do they put the Big 12 champion in front of Cincinnati? Now they didn't. Um, we don't, we'll never know. Well, okay, but you know, kudos to what it is. Kudos
2: to Baylor's defense. And Oklahoma State played great defense too in that
1: game. Yeah, mean, they did. It was a great game, man. I mean,
2: Baylor scored 21 points, and
1: all of them were off of
2: turnovers. Or no, or was there one drive that wasn't one drive that wasn't off
1: turnovers, right? But yeah, Baylor had one drive. I think yes. That they but
2: their 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 first two touchdowns, boom boom, were off of interceptions in scoring position. You know, yeah. And so it's not like. Uh, Baylor's offense was just running up and down the field in Oklahoma State's defense. You know, right. it, it was it was points converted off of, of turnovers, and so it was a tremendous defensive battle. Man, was it fun for me to watch! I know you offensive guys probably thought it was boring, but I I loved it. And and it it it's the ultimate saying that it's a game of inches, because twice. Yeah. Oklahoma State is stopped on the one-yard line twice in that game. And if they were able to punch it in one of those two times, then they win the game.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a great game. And, um, you know, it was a great way to start Saturday. I know mean, there's oh, nothing yeah. else to watch. So, if, you're, if you wasn't watching that game, then you just wasn't watching football. So Right. All uh, right, let's move on to Friday night. And we'll get in on a little bit more of the Mario deal and the coaching carousel part we'll talk about here in a little bit. But Oregon and Utah – um, I was – I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised. Um, I just don't know – and this is such a – everybody's like, well, you know, Oregon wasn't focused because of all the stuff that was – all the rumors that was going on with Mario and all that stuff. People got to understand this. When it comes to focus and all that stuff, that stuff lasts for one play. Now, was your preparation altered? Maybe. But the focus in a game is going – that. That I mean, when you get your face knocked off in the first – you don't go – man, I got my face knocked off because I was thinking about my coach leaving. That, 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 that's not how it works. You, you know, it's that old Mike Tyson saying, everybody's got a plan until you get in a hit in the face, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And all, and all these coaches rah-rah speeches, like you hear all these coaches mm-hmm. sp- halftime speeches and pregame speeches, that literally lasts one play. No doubt. And then after that, everybody settles down and now – your preparation can be affected, mm-hmm. you know, th- that stuff can be affected, but not the actual playing in the game. So, um, Utah just, I mean, dominated again, right. thir- they did 13 days before that. So were you surprised? I, I mean, I kind of, I, I was that. because it's hard to beat a team twice
2: and this one wasn't at uh, Utah. This one was at a neutral site, although the stands were all Utah fans. I don't know if you saw that. I, I didn't see any green, there, but, um, yeah, I, I, I thought uh, Oregon would come out, you know, seeking revenge. I thought uh, being um, on a neutral side and, you know, like I talked about last week, why it's hard to beat a team twice because the team that won thinks they shouldn't change anything and the team that lost recognizes that they should. And, um, you know, it was the same result. I will tell you this, Utah is a team, man. I think, I think Utah, I? Utah is, they didn't start good this year, but, man, I tell you what, they had an incredible finish. And uh, I think that they may be a team going into next year that's going to be reckoning with.
1: Yeah, I would be – I can't wait to see the bowl game because they're going to get tested. They're playing Ohio State. Um, That's a team to look out for. I'm with you. I want to talk about why they're a team to look out for in the bowl game here at the end of the, yeah. end of the show. But moving on to the uh, SEC Championship, the greatest league of all time, um, I mean – I'm just going to let everybody know I was extremely surprised. Um, and really how when they uh, – Georgia's – I don't know what happened between the Saturday before and the next Saturday. Like, the I guess the O-line decided to go to Endo, okay? I mean, did not give up a sack against Georgia. That's amazing. Now, they couldn't – I mean, guy, I mean, he had all day to throw. All day, Bryce Young, and you give Bryce Young all day to throw, I mean, he's a, he is phenomenal, and he was throwing dimes, man. And and I was just – I was really – and I saw it early, man. I don't know if the fans noticed this or you noticed it watching, but Georgia's D-line, like eight plays into the game, looked like they had played five games. They were just they, – no, they were just no movement, no quick twitch. They, it was like lack of explosiveness. It, it was just a – they were running right down the center of the guys. They didn't even give themselves a chance. And they were just – it was like they just tried to bull rush. Everybody was trying to bull rush, and Alabama was just anchored down, man. I mean, I mean, there was no chance. Um, from the offensive standpoint, I do want to say kudos to uh, Alabama's offensive staff. They, they had a bunch – they changed protections up. They were chipping the hell out of the ends. Um now they were having to give up some guys, right? In um in the routes, but man they were they went max – they they changed protections up. They went 6 man, sometimes 7 man. I saw a couple 8 man and then when they were even I call it 7 man, but they were they were chipping the hell out of the you know defensive ends on the way by. They were they were doing some really good things in protection that really uh gave Bryce some time and Buddy when he had time, he was he was carving them up, man. I was impressed.
2: You know, the one thing I will say is the thing that you and I know about Nick Saban is if there's a team or two in the off season that he's going to spend extra time on, then usually that's when his team's going to play the best. And we talked about the Ole Miss game. We, we saw that right. coming. We, we knew that Nick would, in, in the off season was preparing for Ole Miss for quite a while. I'm not so sure he wasn't doing the same for Georgia. I'm not so sure. But I will
1: say – I'm not so sure yeah, that he –
2: had his eyes on Georgia for quite a while and had a, a, a game plan that he had in place uh, for them for quite a while.
1: From an offensive standpoint, it wasn't, there was a lot, and it went both ways now. And I want people to understand this. They run the same defense with the same calls. Okay. So you practice against it every day and, and you don't get to see it scout team speed. You're seeing it real, you know, good on good speed. Right. And so I, you, you saw some things and look, People can say what they want to – you know, Stetson Bennett, he had, a, he had a throw here or there. But, you know, they also they, – they got Georgia out of their game plan relatively early in the game where Georgia was behind and they were planning to play catch-up. Like, Georgia didn't just fold. I mean, if you think about – I mean, like, you know, they had the turnover deep in the territory, turnover and downs deep in the territory. I mean, they had – they were moving the ball well enough on offense to compete and win the game. They just had inopportune turnovers. They had a pick six, they had another turnover, and they had a turnover and downs deep in the you know deep in the territory. They were moving the ball. They just lost the turnover battle, which is how you lose games. Now the same you know both sides. You know maybe I probably should have known that before I took the under, but I was just I was I can tell you this. If you would have uh, well, first of all the under would have hit if there wasn't like a 38 point second quarter. You know period, quarters one, three, and four were about how I saw the game was going to be. Quarter yeah. two was like I don't know that was like a Pack twelve game got lost in the SEC championship game. It was like a time <laughs> pool or something. I don't know what happened, but at the end of the day, it was almost like—and I will say this about motivation—I wonder how much this came into it to where Georgia knew, no matter what happened in that game, they were in the college football playoff. Yeah, they knew that, and Alabama was fighting for their life. All right, that was, you're that was right. The, that was a quarterfinal game for Alabama. They You're were right. already in the college football playoff before everybody else. You're right. Alabama was looking so, at that like this is possibly our last game. Yeah, they said we're trying to we're playing for a two game season. Yeah, you know. And uh, but it was it was uh, shocking. Just I mean, from that standpoint of how dominant Alabama looked, and because here's the thing: is like Coach Saban's thing that he's had forever is. You know, pride and performance and consistency. That's the whole. Everybody wants. To, everybody. I hear so many people talk about the process like they actually know what the, the process is. They have no idea, but because they nobody ever describes it correctly. All right. Well, part of the process is one is pride and performance, but two it's it's being being consistent. Okay, and you know Nick was talking about after the game about the he had the greatest quote of all time. He told the media that the rat poison was yummy this week. Yeah. But the reason, the reason everybody was doubting them was because their teams have always been consistent. And to be honest, for the, about the last four or five weeks, they've been consistently struggling up front. That right. was their product. And then they just – they've really played that well that they played – the way that they played Saturday, they've only played twice, in my opinion, all year long. Ole Miss. They played it against, against – or three times, I'm sorry, correct. They played that way against Ole Miss. They played that way against Mississippi State following – the loss to Texas A&M, yep. and they played that way Saturday. So, for three times this season, they've played that way. Right. And and that's probably – you know, probably drives Nick – nut. I know it does. That drives Nick nuts because he knows how good they can be. Yeah. And they haven't – you know, what they've played 12 – what's that, 13 games now? They've and So, 10 games they haven't played that way. And they've played good at times in right. spurts and good enough to win. Um, but – I mean, I hope we get a rematch. I think we'll see a – it'll be a – I think you're going to see two pissed-off teams when they come back. So, I think yeah. Georgia needed a reset, too. So, we'll go no, there. Georgia
2: needed that, probably.
1: Yeah, they did. They I did. mean,
2: that might propel them to win the national championship, you know. Having having gone
1: through that, it that, might, that
2: might propel them to the national championship. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't want to play – I wouldn't want to be playing them next. But no. speaking of who they're playing next, Michigan and Iowa. I, I, look, I've said this before 100 times. I'll say it again, I can't be uh, – I really like Jim Harbaugh. He doesn't know me from the other side of the of – the, I mean, from he doesn't know me from anybody. Um, I have got a chance to meet him. I've told the story one time. Um, but then we talked about it last week. Just a really good guy. I like when good things happen to good people. Um, and I really do think he's a good dude from every, from my knowing of him. Um, and nobody gave him a chance. I mean, his own administration made him fire everybody and take a pay cut last year. Right. They were like, "Oh, he's going to struggle this year, and we'll get him out of here." And look what's happening. I mean, he he got it done, man. And, uh, and you know, not only fire. did he take a as pay- good as anybody.
2: Not only did he take a pay cut, the bonuses that he made from this postseason, he's donating back to the athletic department for those who had to take pay cuts for COVID.
1: And that's. Yeah. You, know I I mean? you know, yeah, and I told this story. I DJ I don't remember if y'all were on here when I did this, but we got a lot of new listeners, obviously. So um I tell this quick story. I'm not gonna go into detail, but when I was at South Alabama, we had a camp, combined camp on our campus with Michigan. Okay. It was a really strange deal. They fly in uh the day of and they're flying out, they're going to do these camps everywhere, and that was when the travel camps were allowed, right? And so um, he comes down there. Well, he finds out he, were just, he was just having casual conversation with a couple of coaches, and he was like, well, what y'all got going uh, the rest of the afternoon? Well, in Spanish Fort, was, which, which is the community that I was living in, um, the, the trainer, uh, head athletic trainer at the high school, his wife had cancer, and they were having a fundraiser for her. And this was at like 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night. Now, mind you, this camp's going on at like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, Right. And they're gonna fly out. I think they were going to Dallas or somewhere like that. Well, he finds out about it, about this uh, fundraiser. Um, He goes to his ops guy, tells him to cancel everything, and he goes, he stays, goes and gets clothes, and stays and goes, helps raise money, and has for, for this fundraiser that night. And had no – like nobody expected him to do that. He didn't have to do that. I can count on my hand how many, how many head coaches would actually do what he did. Yeah. And he, I mean, he had no – it wasn't like this was a community in Michigan. This is in Spanish Fort, Alabama. And he's from, you know, the head coach at Michigan. Right. And he stayed and helped them raise money. That, that says I don't care what – I don't care how many games he wins. I don't care how many people tell me that he's a piece of shit. That, that, that will always stick with me. About him doing that, and what type of human, and look, and again, what kind of impact it made on me. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know the guy really. I mean, I shook his hand, had a two-minute conversation with the guy. I mean, just uh, really, I'm glad when I'm, I like when good things happen to good people. So um, I agree, you know. And he didn't get I, any I, I national attention for, for that. You know, he was no, not, not one person, not one article was written. Right, I, I and think, um, I think that's amazing. When you I truly think you can see the character of somebody about what they do for people that can do nothing for them. There was not one person there that could do anything for him, and you know he went out of his way to do that. that that's that amazing a lot to me. So that's incredible. Yeah. So, but anyway, we'll move on. All right, I may get a little hot on this one, uh, DJ. The coaching carousel. <laughs> yep. All right, um, I'm. I'll go ahead and start with this one. Let's start with. A, I'm gonna rip the Band-Aid off and go right into it. Uh, this Miami deal, okay. Um, I really have the really mixed emotions with this deal, okay. Extremely mixed emotions, okay. One, and it's no secret if you've been listening to this show or you know anything about me, uh, Mario Cristobal is a good friend of mine, all right. I love him to death. One of the, he's a stud. He is a phenomenal recruiter, he's a phenomenal football coach, and he's a phenomenal human being. Love him to death. I wish nothing but success for him, okay. But let's go to the other hand. I, I know Manny. Um, don't know Manny as well. Never worked with Manny. Just know Manny coaching against him and on a recruiting trail. And just like we know a lot of coaches in the business um, from way back in the day, man, when he was at Middle Tennessee and we were at Arkansas State and we used to have battles, right? Um, but Manny's a good dude. Here's who I'm pissed at is the administration at Miami. This is a freaking joke, man. This is a And I, I'm pissed off about it. It's a joke. Okay, so you you, there's no AD in place. So no, I haven't seen anything because I've looked on who's actually making these decisions. Okay, but here you are. You're at a university that's supposed to be setting an example and developing leaders for the future. And here's what we're going to do. Okay, you got this guy that's a local guy whose father's the mayor of the town, by the way, who's out recruiting his balls off and giving you everything he can do for the university. And you basically are negotiating, not even behind his back. Now it's in public, okay? You're leaking stuff to the media to get, to get things going, to get people off your back. And this guy still has a job. And now it's come out that if Mario turns the job down, that you're going to, oh, you're going, we're going to keep you, but only if he turns the job down. Like, how does that, what are we doing? Yeah. Okay, your coordinator just left, okay? Your coordinator just left. All right, let me tell you what you're doing. One, you have destroyed – if he does stay, okay, all right, and as of 8.45 in the morning, on Monday morning, Mario hasn't taken the job. Do I expect Mario to take the job? Yes, I do. Okay, but as of 8.45 this morning, he's got to like noon today, noon Eastern time, which is here in about two hours to make a decision. I imagine a decision has already been made. We just don't know about it yet. But what are they going to do? Are they going to hire Mario before they fire the guy that's the head coach? Is that, what we're, is that what we're doing here? Like, do we, does Miami come out and say we have, we have fired Manny Diaz before they hire Mario Cristobal? Like, that's the path that we're on right now.
2: I don't even. I don't understand It's it uncharted waters. You know, it's always been an unwritten rule that, that um, you know, you don't want to talk to anyone else, especially leak it to the public unless – unless the head coach has been let go, this one is an offer. There, there's an offer out there without a head coach being let go. And everybody knows about it. I think it's an example of people that are making decisions that aren't associated with athletics and don't recognize that the people that work in athletics are human. I think sometimes uh, fans or Boosters, you know, college football is their hobby. It's what's what they do for fun. It's what they are excited about. It's like
1: they're playing a video game.
2: It's this is not Madden franchise mode. These are people's lives that you're dealing with. You know what I mean? And I think I think there's people making these decisions that are not taking into consideration the human element. And I think if there was an athletic director in place, a guy that's worked in athletics his entire career, who understands that these are people. And uh, normal people with normal problems and normal issues, he would not treat Manny Diaz the way that he's being treated.
1: Yeah, and I want to make sure everybody knows, this isn't a Mario Cristobal problem. No. This is a a, a Miami administration problem. And they don't even have an AD yet. Okay, and they're going to get this done before they get, get an AD. But let's say for whatever reason, okay, let's say that Mario stays. Okay, and just for the record too, I have not talked to Mario. Okay. I, again, I told the same thing about the whole Billy deal. I'm not like, hey, how you doing? Are you? I, I, I'm not bothering him with that, okay? Because that's the last thing as a coach you want to be bothered with with your friends, okay? If he he's got my number, if he's got a, he got something he wants to talk to me at this point in time, he'll call me, okay? Um, same way I treated Summerall the other day when he got the job. Everybody knows that. Same way I treated Rich Rod when he got the job at Jacksonville State. When they they'll call me when they're when they got something they want to talk to me about. Until then, and when they get the job, I'll call them after they got the job. Um, just how it works in coaching. All right, so here's the deal, though, is let's say, let's say Manny, they keep Manny, okay? You have no offensive coordinator. Who, who exactly is going to go to Miami to be the offensive coordinator when you know you're fired next year? If he's not going today, he's going next year, okay? So you're not going to get any recruits. You're not going to get any coaches. And so you just set yourself, like you gave yourself no chance for next year, zero, you gave yourself no chance. And I just, it's a, it's a disgrace to the industry that, that this is going on. It's a disgrace. And everybody, and I saw on Twitter last night, there was a bunch of fans. Again, fans is a key word. Well, Manny left Temple after being the head coach at Temple for a week. Okay, so, so here's the thing. And they're, like, they're trying to say, like, it's karma and all this stuff. Let me explain something. Manny Diaz is from Miami. He was the head coach. At, he just got the temple job, probably making, I don't know, a million dollars. And, and somebody, put yourself, if you're a human being, okay, let's stop being fans for a minute. Let's be a human being. If you're getting paid $1 million to do a job and you take the job, and let's say you're a corporate guy, you go, all of a sudden, you go to, to Kodak and you're going to be the CD, uh, CEO of Kodak camera company. They're going to pay you a million dollars. And then you're there for one week. And then Jeff Bezos shoots the deuce and offers you five million dollars to be the CEO of Amazon. What are you gonna do? You're gonna go. Oh, by the way, in your hometown, right? With your family, you're gone, right? And, and let's just don't and let's don't get this clouded here. Mario wanted to go to to Miami. That that's where I mean that's where he played. That's where he's from. His mom's right. sick. Like, Mario is Mr. Miami. He is the only human being I've ever been around that can actually recruit Miami without, you know, in this generation, without a GPS, okay? Yeah. The guy made FI, FIU a winner. And we right. saw everything that Butch Davis said about FIU a couple of weeks ago. Right. Like, this is, this is personal for, for Mario's interest in it. This is not Miami's a better job than Oregon. No. I mean, it's just. It's I mean, the it's human really element.
2: P- it's a human element that people don't take into consideration that these coaches yeah. are are no different than anybody else. They got families. They they make decisions that are based on their families and it's it's just sad to see.
1: Yeah. and I'm sure we'll see a a resolve today do I expect uh Mario Take it I do. Um I think this is I mean he's always wanted to do it, you know. We'll see. But it's it's uh, I think they finally got the financial resources to do it, and if we haven't learned anything in this coaching carousel, here's what we have learned: the market has been reset, okay, and while it's being reset, you can go buy you a coach. That's what's that's what's been uh, established in this uh, cycle. I can say that. Oh,
2: and I'll tell you this too: the other thing in major college football is whether the money is in the athletic department's budget or not, doesn't matter. The money is in some boosters bank account, right? So you may say That's we right. don't have the money, but you do have the money. It's just not in your bank account. And that yeah, was my frustration.
1: access to the money.
2: Yes. That was my frustration with the coaches that were, you know, asked to take pay cuts because they don't have the money. Yes, you do have the money. It's just not in your bank account. You have the money. And if you ask the right people, you're going to get it, you know? And, um, and, uh, and that's the same way it is in college athletics. You know, somebody said that a few USC students were tweeting out that uh, Lincoln Riley's salary was taken away from, was taken from their tuition. But believe me, none of that money was taken from your tuition. <laughs> okay. No, you're, you're safe. <laughs> okay. That money. Yeah, you're safe. That money was from some alumni's bank account out in LA who said, all right, yeah. 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 I'll give you $12 million if you get Lincoln Riley. You know what I mean? You get Lincoln, That's exactly R- what happens. Yeah, I'll give you twelve million. You don't get Lincoln Riley. I won't give you
1: twelve million. You know what I mean? It's it's really it's really something. Yeah. Yes. It, it you know yeah, but yeah no that didn't come out of your tuition. I think you're safe. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, Oklahoma, which uh, got filled, I guess, last night. Uh, probably the worst kept secret. I, I, I've uh, about thirteen seconds after uh, Lincoln took the job to go to. I think I told you off the air the very first call I got when Lincoln took the Oklahoma job was Brent Venables is getting the job here. Um, and Jeff Lebby is going to be his offensive coordinator. I'm talking about, I got that within 30 minutes of him taking the USC job. I told, I think I told you that off the air, but, um, so Venables is there. Uh, I guess Lebby is not there officially. I would be, um, Shocked by the time that I really would. I'd be shocked, best probably be the word. By the time that you're listening to this, fans, you're listening to this on Wednesday at the earliest, that Jeff Levy is not the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. As of right now, he officially is not. I would be shocked. Um, but look, Levy was going to go one way or the other. Uh, he was getting, I know, I really know he was getting courted uh, by um, lots of places for crazy amounts of money. Um, I think he could have even got in on some head jobs at Group of Five, uh, some Group of Five jobs. Uh, but, I mean, he'd have to take a pay cut. Right. I mean, this guy's just going to get paid, you know, two and a half to $3 million to be an offensive coordinator without having to deal with me. Right. It's a pretty good gig, man. Um, but, look, Oklahoma's home for him. And uh, I got to work with Levy just for about a month here. What a great dude, by the way. I like Levy a lot. Yeah. He's, an OU, he's, good he's dude, an OU
2: grad. You know, he, I mean, like you said, there's, there's so many things that go into consideration when you take a job and, and family's a big part of them. And I think that, uh, I think that's intimate too. I don't know if that's the right word. I just Raquel helped me with my grammar there, but, uh, I, I think that that is going to happen. And, um, and uh, Raquel's probably over there just shaking her head. And she's like, you guys help me with your grammar, man. Where do I start? You know what I mean? You guys have been messing <laughs> yeah. up all year. But, uh, but um, yeah, that's going to happen. He's going to go there. Um, he's going to do a great job. And let me just tell you this, too. Brent Venables, you talk about good guys, and you were talking about Jim Harbaugh. Brent Venables is one of the best guys in the profession. I mean, profession.
1: I have never, I have never met him.
2: Brent Venables is one of the most positive, upbeat, caring coaches that I have ever met in this entire profession. He takes jobs that he thinks are right for him and his family, but he also is tremendously loyal. I don't know if you remember when when he took the Clemson DC job, he backed out of it. He backed out of it initially. Okay. And was going to stay at Oklahoma. And then he went back and that's written. It's nothing that's a secret. They they have articles about that and exactly how that happened. And the reason was because of the loyalty he felt to Bob Stoops, it was bothering him so bad because Bob Stoops was the one that hired him at Kansas state. Bob Stoops was the one that coached him at Kansas state. Bob Stoops was the one that hired him in Oklahoma. Bob Stoops was the one that promoted him to defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. And even though Clemson at that time, he thought was the right move. It was eating him up inside about his loyalty to Bob Stoops uh, at that time, and that shows you what type of person he is. That that he is, he that, Clemson,
1: cares. is that Clemson is that Clemson texting you want you to be the defense coordinator?
2: <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I
2: snuck up. Hey, you have noticed this is the only episode I got my phone on. But anyway.
1: Um, yeah, I, I was, I've heard a lot of dings going over there. Yeah. What, what do we got going? Yeah. We're going to be, can we break some news on home visits? No, Park? no.
2: But, uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, a um, tremendous hire. And a tremendous hire because not only what type of coach he is, what I'm trying to get at is what type of person he is. Um, you know, I, I, I called him uh, one time last year when when uh, things were kind of down in the dumps for me. And he gave me one of the most tremendous motivational talks that, that uh, I've ever had that just re-energized me and and got me right back on track. And he's like that for everybody. I mean, if you, if you are ever in a bad mood, go hang around Brent Venables for a day, because that guy is the most upbeat, positive guy in America.
1: That's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, again, I like good things happen to good people. So, right. And speaking of the last one we'll cover because there's been too much, I don't even feel like getting in all of it <clears throat> this week. But the last one I'm going to talk about this week is uh, my good friend and home visit. Like we're setting a precedent here. You know, Rich Rod gets the gets the Jacksonville State job. We got Mario. We're we're like we're like uh, maybe here's what we do is we'll start getting more coaches on because all these coaches are coming on our show and then they're getting head jobs in the next cycle. So <laughs> oh, is that what's in now, line for me?
2: I didn't even realize that was in line for me. Yeah, head you're going, job. you're
1: going to be a head coach next year. Wow. I didn't like, even realize that. Since you've been on so many yeah, since you've been on so many times, you may go straight to the Patriots and Bel- Belichick <laughs> retires. All right, so but John Summerall, uh really good friend of mine, uh, worked with him here at Ole Miss. Uh had known him before that. We used to recruit against each other all the time. Uh in the great state of Alabama, we were like head to head every every time. I knew and I told and I tell people all the time, like when I was re- you know, I recruited the state of Alabama for, you know, what, twenty years. Um and was a high school coach there, so I knew everybody, and I was from there. You know, hell, I ever played or worked somewhere. If I, the whole, you know, all over the state. But when you go, when you go head to head with John Summerall in recruiting, you, you, there's a couple of guys you know, and he's one of them that you better bring your lunch, yeah. and you're and you got your work cut out for you. And he and he's that guy. Um, he was at Kentucky as the co-DC. Uh, he left here, and he, he played at Kentucky. So when he left, it was kind of the same kind of deal. When, when home calls, it's tough. So right. home called, he left Ole Miss to go back to Kentucky. Um, and he got this opportunity. He was on staff with Neil Brown there and was the assistant head coach. Um, what a great hire. Uh, he is going to kill it there. I think he embodies what, you know, and this is from a former alumni. You know, I played there to finish my career there and got my uh, bachelor's from there and what he he's what Troy needs, and uh he will do a great job in recruiting. he will do a great job in hiring coaches. He will get the mentality back to where that it was back in the day because we always had a chip on our shoulder, you know when we, as players and that that's the success that that place has had is the the edge and the toughness and the mental toughness that the players had, like you knew when you played Troy. That it was, <clears throat> it was like playing Alabama on a lower level. You you better bring your lunch. It's going to be a physical game, um, and you know you try to make people quit and mentally mentally break people down and physically beat them. And that's what the game is. It's a physical game. Uh, it had always been great on defense, tough on offense, and uh, you know Neil had it going there before he left to go to West Virginia. Uh, but I'm so happy for for Summerall to get get a shot. Um, and uh, I know he's rolling. I think they're going to have a press conference today. Um I've talked to him several times over the last couple days. And a week leading up to it, but I'm so I'm so happy um for Troy to to get some roll and I'm happy for Summerall. So I'm going to have a I'm going to have a <laughs> I'm going to have a tough time uh this next fall. I got Rich Rods at uh Rich Rod, obviously is a good friends at Jacksonville State. I got Summerall's is a good friend at Troy, and then Kane Womack's a good, good friend of mine at South. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to be equal uh, going to games and supporting. It's gonna be. You better very be difficult. wearing
2: white. You better be wearing white to all those games. Yeah, I'm
1: going to. Yeah. I gotta come to some neutral color. I may just wear pink every week or something. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but uh, but happy for those guys and and uh, uh, just can't say enough about them. So all right, moving on. The transfer portal, um, I used to, we used to do a segment as the transfer portal turns and it got quiet a little bit. <clears throat> um, start of the summer because it got cut down, but last week all the checks have been cut, okay, and so we talked about it and I think I tweeted it, but all these guys in the transfer portal, they're waiting until they get their last checks, okay. Um, they just get scholarship checks <clears throat> every month and so you know, they, they wait to the end and they, they go in the portal. But from last Monday to the end, there were over 500 FBS and FCS kids in the portal. That's 500, 500. Zero, zero. Okay. And the one that was really curious to me was uh, Quinn Ewers. Okay. So I don't know if you remember, but in the summer, he was supposed to be in, the tw- in this year's class, in the 2022 class. He reclassified because he got an NIL deal. Uh, that was a big time deal with equity and a company and money and all that stuff. He got an NIL deal, but he couldn't take it because of the way the high school rules were of making him ineligible. So he basically had to take the money and went ahead and took the extra English class where it was and went to Ohio State. Well now six months later he's back in the portal. Okay. I don't know where he's going, but this is like a big one. Okay? Because he's a here's why this is a really big get. Okay? He is a quarterback. And he is without question the best player in this class. Well, he's fisting the transfer and wherever he tran you can't transfer twice. So wherever he goes, you got him locked in. You don't have to worry about him transferring again. Right. All right. If I if I was advising Quinn, which I'm not, I don't care what school it is, I would take your ass back to Texas. Because the NIL money, and this is what kids I think need to understand. Okay. If you're a high school coach, listen to this or even a college coach, I would use it too. But being an in-state – in the age of NIL, okay, mm-hmm. being an in-state prospect, if you're really good and you're from that state, your NIL money is going to go through the roof. Right. Okay, you make yourself so much more money being, you know, if you're the Texas guy from Texas. Right. Okay, and then you would if you're like – if you're the starting quarterback – at Ohio State, okay, you're just one of a thousand people. But if you're the start from Texas, now what if you were the starting quarterback at Ohio State from Columbus? You got everybody coming at you, and that's how you make yourself more valuable. That's okay, so true. And, and, and you're a quarterback. Like, I don't care if it's Texas, I don't care if it's Texas AM, TCU, SMU, I don't care. Take your ass back to Texas and get paid. That's, yes. what, I, that's what I would advise. Them. I don't care if it's Texas State. Go hang out with my boy Peeler okay, go to Texas and make money. And then, again, in recruiting, I would use that, too. If you're trying to recruit an in-state kid, and here's the other thing, if you're not a quarterback, okay, that's about the only way you're going to make money is staying at home, okay, because if you're an outside linebacker and you're, and, you're going, and you're from Atlanta and you go to California to go to school, there's no, nobody going to give a crap and give you any NIL money, Okay, but maybe if you if you're go to uh, Georgia or go to Georgia Tech or somewhere like that, you can get some local stuff because you're the local hero. Right. And um, I think that's really important when it comes to uh, NIL and, and recruiting. Now, the transfer portal, I tweeted this out the other day. Okay, this is not slowing down. Um, it, it's really taken – they did a, a favor to the uh, high school kids a little bit with this 32 rule to make up – you know, it's going to help some high school recruiting. But I will tell you this. OK, and, I, and the closer we're getting through the cycle, the more we're going to know. Um, but it's but signing days, you know, next Wednesday and I already know because I've talked to too many people is they're no longer schools are no longer taking chances on kids. They're not. They're not going to take a chance on a kid. You basically have to be the perfect. You've got to be a great player. One that starts it okay mm-hmm. but your character's got to be in line your academics have got to be in line like you, you can't be a guy they're not going to take a chance on you if you're a bad character your grades are bad they're not I don't, they don't care how good your film are film is. they'll let you go to a group of five school that's going to take a chance on you and then when if you become a good player they'll get you out of the portal that's that's the that's the mode that they're using so um if again if you're a high school coach listening make sure your players understand that that, that the You got to be a complete player on and off the field to help your stock out to be recruited. So that's where I want to go with that. So, anything to add on that there, DJ? I think that's great advice.
2: And I think you're accurate. You know, the portal has changed everything in recruiting. And the way I think that you look at it is you look at it the same way the NFL does. And the fact that you're going to have your free agents and you're going to have your draft picks. And I'm sure that. Um, college football is already doing this, but if not, they should. You need two types of evaluators, just like the NFL does. The NFL has the, has the college scouts, and they have the yeah, NFL and the pro scouts. And the pro scouts are evaluating yep. other pro players, and then the college scouts are evaluating the college athletes. And I think that now there's two places that you can get players in college football, and what is going to be the difference is going to be those things that you talked about is we don't need to take risk. Like you said, because we have another Avenue that we can get football players for our football team from, we have a whole, uh, another group of players that didn't exist until a couple years ago that we can get players from. And there's going to be people that are evaluating college football players at college football programs and people that are evaluating high school football players and, they're going to be competing against each other on which one gets the scholarship, the high school or the college football player. And it's, it's, it's really changed things.
1: Yeah. All right. Yesterday, the college football playoff, I'm glad we don't have to do a poll today. Okay. The college football playoff has announced their top four. It is Alabama one, Michigan two, Georgia three, and Cincinnati four. So let's talk about the matchups here, DJ. We'll start it with Bama and Cincinnati. I'll let you lead it off here.
2: I think that, uh, that Alabama is going to win this game um, hands down. I think they're a lot more talented. I think that, um, uh, that uh, Nick is not going to let these guys look past Cincinnati. I think that um, uh, you know, Cincinnati has a good team. And, and, and let me say this, too. Some people may not realize. You know why Cincinnati has a good team? Cincinnati has a good team because of the portal. Cincinnati's players are former Alabama players. They're former Georgia players. Um, they're players that out of high school, they would never have been able to get it. Okay? So their talent is better than a, 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 a usual Cincinnati team because of the portal. And I think that's why they are so successful. But I don't think that they're going to be able to match up with Alabama.
1: All right, so you know I was not a proponent of Cincinnati getting in the playoff. Okay? Yes. And everybody wants to – and here's – and I'm glad that they got in, though. I'm glad, okay, because they, they want to earn respect. Okay, here's your shot, okay? Right. You want it in, here's your shot. Because we're not going and play some team that snuck in. You're going to play Alabama, okay? And everybody wants to talk, well, last year I'm so – by the way, I am over on announcers, man. These, these guys, these commentary guys – like, stop telling me – like, I have, there was a guy yesterday on ESPN. It's like they, they, they feel like somebody's, like, putting a gun to their head. They have to defend these guys. And they got to say the – you know, they got to say what's right and what's wrong right. and stuff. All right. I'm tired of hearing about last year when they played Georgia. It was a four-point game, da 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 Georgia had 47 guys opt out and didn't want to be there. Okay. Well, guess how many guys are going to opt out in this game? Zero. Okay. So, you're supposed to go play Alabama. And they're going to want to beat your ass. Okay, so if you wanted your shot, here you go. Okay, and then the same guy yesterday on ESPN blew my mind. I, I still want to start throwing stuff at the TV. He was like, well, it's really not fair that Cincinnati got to be number four and they got to go play Alabama first round. Like what? Like you want it in. You're right. in. Right. If you're going to be – I mean, what is this? A, we, is this a participation trophy time? Right. You wanted your shot. Here you go. Okay, you want to be with the big boys, here you go. And this is going to be, look, and I'll be the first one. I will shut up and I'll come right on here and tell you that I was completely wrong. Okay, but you wanted your shot. You're going to get an Alabama team that's ready to go, okay, that has, they're going to be healthy. They're going to have time to get healthy. And you're going to be ready to go, and they're going to be ready to go. And this is not going to be 47 opt-outs, okay? I don't care if Mechie got hurt Saturday or not, okay? It's Alabama. OK, and you're they're, You're getting the good Alabama. OK, so and Alabama would be motivated. They will be ready to go. And we're going to see how this all shakes out. You want to be the guy? Here's your shot. But the, but these the, this is this is fisting the uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. OK, but this is not going to be one of these. And they kept talking about Boise when they beat Oklahoma again. The guy didn't want to be there. Right. It's totally different. Like I, and I've said this a thousand times in the show, I'm not going back. But, all right, big boys, it's time to step up to the plate. Here's your shot, okay? Here's your shot. All right, I'm, not, I'm just going to end it there. We'll, we'll talk about the spreads and all that stuff in a later episode because we got plenty of time. All right, Georgia, Michigan. All right, Georgia, Michigan. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm taking
2: Georgia in this game, but I will tell you that um, Michigan has really earned my respect. I mean, not only did they beat Ohio State, they drummed Iowa. I mean, drummed them. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. I I think they're playing at a high level right now. High, high, high level right now. Um, I think the best thing that could have ever happened to Georgia was losing to Alabama. You know, if Georgia had beaten Alabama and had Michigan in this first round, you know, I I may side more with Michigan, but I think the best thing that could have happened to Georgia – was the fact that they lost to Alabama and that now they realize, hey, man, if we don't bring it every week, we could lose. And, uh, you know, Kirby's going to have them fired up and ready, and, and uh, they're going to come to play. And, um, you know, it's kind of like Nick says, you know, where's the rat poison? And I think the rat poison is in Georgia's favor because Michigan drilled Iowa and Georgia just got beat by Alabama. And so – um, I think Georgia's going to win this game, but it's it's not going to be a blowout.
1: Yeah, be you know the style differences are you know that's that's the thing is I, I think you got to I mean Alabama gave you the gave you the you know blueprint on how to beat Georgia, but can Michigan do that? And that's right. protecting the quarterback, and that's having a good quarterback and getting open. Uh, Michigan's got a, a few good dudes, um, but. Um, it 'll be interesting you know and got us to OC at the OC at yeah East, used to be at Alabama US, Alabama yeah so he understands and he's gonna see and understand you know what what he's going against every day um I think this is gonna be a good game I'm of I'm, I'm excited to watch this one I think Georgia's favorite the first ones that came out was like seven and a half maybe I will we'll talk about spreads later but um I don't see this being a two-score game I don't I think uh because Michigan's good on defense too and I think you know Uh, It's going to be. I'm excited to watch this game. I think it's going to be probably the best game uh, of the playoff. Uh, Ole Miss gets in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor. I'm excited to see this one.
2: Oh yeah, two good Uh, teams. Two really good teams. Really good
1: teams. And you got the good defense going against the good offense. You know what's crazy uh, to think?
2: You know what's crazy to think about Baylor is you know they lost to TCU. Baylor, if they hadn't lost to TCU, they may be in the playoffs. Yeah, because they would have been, ins- been. It would yeah.
1: have been. would have had two one-loss teams going at each other, um, and then they would have beat to get in, and they just beat Oklahoma, and then they would have beat Oklahoma State.
2: You know, if Baylor, it'd been,
1: hard to, it'd been hard to keep them out over Cincinnati. Yeah,
2: they lost thirty to twenty-eight to TCU the week after Gary Patterson got fired. That was the first game they played without Gary Patterson. And, I didn't
1: know
2: that really. And uh, if they had won that game, they may be sitting in the playoffs right now.
1: Yeah, excited to see the game. they played them the week that Gary Patterson got fired. Yeah, and then uh, we're not going to talk about the game. Oklahoma State's playing Notre Dame. We got Utah, Ohio State, and we'll talk about this. Now, I was going to say this part. This is why I bring it up, okay? Let's take the Alabama and Cincinnati. Let's take the the semifinals out, okay? So, if you're playing for something, go ahead. If you want to go ahead and bet, go ahead and bet, all right? Any other bowl games okay, I'll make sure everybody hears this from a wagering standpoint, any other bowl games, wait, okay, wait until, like, the day of or the day before, because the amount of people that are going to be opting out and and not playing, especially, like, and again, I'm sure he's going to play, but, you know, if all of a sudden you get a week before and an agent, like, Matt Corral doesn't play in the bowl game, okay, like, that changes the way you're going to wager, okay, or, you know, you go, <laughs> go in and, and you know, like Ohio State, I can see it happen at Ohio State, Ohio State's playing Utah in the Rose Bowl, I mean, all three of those receivers may say, I'm good, guys, it's been real, okay, I'm not, I'm not playing in the bowl game, and it changes the entire complexion of the game, so, I'm not, and I'm not saying. By the way, I'll make sure all the Ole Miss fans. I have no information. <laughs> I fully expect Matt Corral to play. I'm just using him as an example. Okay, but you know, if if you know if a big time quarterback or somebody opts out and doesn't play, like the kid at Pitt, if the kid at Pitt, you know, they win the ACC, if he doesn't play in the bowl game, I mean, that changes because he's going pro. That changes the whole complexion. So don't go jumping on these spreads until you know exactly who and who is in and who is out because that's going to affect the outcomes of the games, okay? So make sure you all know that. All right, DJ, I want to finish up on this, okay? Um, I'm going to make a home visit uh, recommendation that only people that are going to listen to it are going to be me and you, okay? So last week they had the meeting on the on the uh, college football playoff and still have not decided to expand it. There's a lot of – got a long way to go, I think. Um, it goes back to the bowl games. But here's been this – I don't know who came up with the number. I don't know how 12 became the number. Okay, that was always an odd number to me. So, in a 12-team uh, format, okay, the top four seeds get buys, okay? And then you have the bottom uh, eight playing, I guess, in you know the first round or whatever. And then they were like, well, it's on campus and all that. Okay, so here's my – my proposal, okay, and I've been thinking about this for a while, and I went ahead and did it yesterday, I did a mock-up, because I think this is better for – and just hear me out, okay, and you can argue with me because I know you will, all right. I propose a 16-team playoff, okay, because this is going to be for the betterment of college football, all right, and this is what I'm talking about with a 16-team playoff. Okay, a 100 years ago when I when I was in the FCS, and we'd call it one A back in those days – there was 16 teams in the playoff, okay? And this is what a 16-team playoff would look like. Every single conference, whether it's power five or a group of five, the winners get automatic bursts into the tournament, okay? So that puts 10 teams with automatic bursts, okay? And that's everything from Mountain West to the SEC, okay, to the Sun Belt champs, okay? 10 teams get automatic bursts. Okay, and then you have a, a – uh, the committee stays the committee. And now you have six at-large teams, okay, based on your rankings. Okay, you get six at-large teams in. Now, why is this for the betterment of college football? Because now the Sun Belt games mean something. You're going to have it's, – it's you're going to be able to go recruit. If I'm at ULL, for example, and I'm dominating the Sun Belt, I can go recruit because I'm getting in the playoff every year. Or I'm in the mountain. What well, you're going? The quality of football, and then in the portal, getting kids there because you have the chance to go play in the playoff or whatever it is. The quality of football and the product and the overall money is good for everybody, not just 65 teams, but now it's good for 130 teams because any team has a chance. You've said it a hundred times, and I love the way you say it. If you take away somebody's hope, you've taken away everything. Well, now every single team. It's kind of like basketball, right? Like March Madness, when the season starts, every single basketball team on the planet has a chance to make the tournament. Same thing in football with a 16-team playoff. You do it that way. Now, the other thing is the big proponents, well, if we go to 16 teams, man, that's too many games. No, it's not. It's the same amount of games if you're doing 12, okay? Because if you go 16 teams, you have round one is 16 teams. Round two, there's eight teams left. Round three. There's four teams, and in the last round, there's two teams. That's four extra games, right? So if you're in 12 teams, you have the opening round of eight. Then you, then you have the second round that has eight in it, okay, because you have the four teams with buys. Then you have four and two. So it's still – it's four games regardless. So the amount of games don't change. So that's why I propose this, but it's betterment for the best of college football. All right, so here's what a 16-team playoff would look like, DJ. Okay, your number one seed, Alabama. 2 Michigan, 3 Georgia, 4 Cincinnati, 5 would be Notre Dame, Ohio State at 6, Baylor at 7, Ole Miss at 8, Oklahoma State at 9, Michigan State at 10, Utah at 11, Pittsburgh at 12. And then you would have UTSA, ULL, Utah State, NIU. Okay, so your five group of five teams that would be in would be Cincinnati. Okay, would be UTSA, ULL, Utah State, and NIU. So again, and everybody's like, "Oh, they'll get blown out." Let me explain something to you. You take a team like ULL that's getting in every week. Like, who would they play? So you, there would be the they'd be playing. Like, who wouldn't want to see a ULL Cincinnati? Oh, I think in the that's- first round. I think that's a tremendous idea. Like, I think that would be fun. Okay? You go, now, now, Alabama, NIU, probably not. But you know what? That's why you're the number one seed, right? I mean, but again, the quality of product as the years go on, like, it keeps getting better. All right, and so here's the deal. But this is about bowl games, right? This is what all the, the fuss is over is bowl games and getting money and all that stuff. All that stuff will take care of itself. The amount of money that would come into with uh, – you know, if you have to play them at bowl game sites, it's fine. You don't think that the the Texas, the Texas or the Gator Bowl or whoever, the Independence Bowl wouldn't like to have a, wouldn't enjoy having a playoff game. You just keep doing right. what they're doing now, and you and you have the champ. You know, you have the championship games, and and you make. And you make the you rotate the the big four, and then you add the other games, and you can just rotate who gets what bowl games. And you just do what you're doing now. They they would love to have uh, a second round game or a semifinal game or all that stuff. That's all you have to do. And so
2: you know how many you know how much more exposure they would get on television if that game was
1: actually worth something. Yeah, and that's that's what blows my mind. Is like everybody's like, well, yeah. you couldn't do it in bowl sites. Why not? Like you don't think the I mean, if we go to a sixteen, all right? So you would have. Uh, you know, basically, you're going to need what 15 bowl sites for a 16 team playoff or whatever. You wouldn't think that the Independence Bowl, like what are they, or the Arizona Bowl? Okay, it's like barstool sports, which I love. They're doing. They took over the Arizona Bowl. Do you think they would like to have uh, Boise State and Western Michigan, or would they like to have uh, UTSA and Georgia? Right in a playoff. I mean, right for the bowls, it makes more sense too. And then everybody's like, "Well, you know, it's um, it's not fair for the six and six team. You, it is fair because you have a chance to get in the playoff, okay? And it makes the games more competitive. And now maybe instead of you get six and six teams in these other bowl games, maybe you're getting eight and four teams in the bowl in the lower bowl games. I think it makes the whole Mm -hmm. product better, okay?" Because we have to get out. Like, like, I don't know, and, and this is the whole reason I'm going to go ahead and tell you, DJ, this is where I got set off on the deal. I, I was, I'm just okay for expansion. And then I got set off on, my, you know, how my brain works. I got set off on this whole thing about how last week when they had this uh, committee meeting, you know what comes out of it? Is they just created a bowl game. Because we got two more teams that went six and six. And you know what? They're not going to be able to go anywhere this year. Look, guys, this is – we got to get out of this everybody gets a trophy society mentality, okay? You know what six and six – as a coach, you know what six and six gets you? It gets your ass fired, okay? Six and six some years are the greatest thing ever. Like when we came to Ole Miss the first time and they hadn't won a game in three years on SEC game or whatever it was, going six and six, they should have built a statue of Hugh Freeze out here, okay? But when you're at Auburn and you're going six and six and going to the Birmingham Bowl, that's that's not good, Okay, so we got to get out of this mentality of everybody gets a trophy society. Just because you win six games, you get to go to a bowl game. Because you tell you who gets screwed in that deal. Okay, it's like when we were at Arkansas State. Okay, and we hadn't been like one bowl game in school history. We go six and six, and we had just beaten F A U. We just beaten them like thirty five to nothing. Okay, and to make us six and six, and they were six and five going to bowl games. So we had two six and six teams. We had just beaten them the last game of the season like 35 to nothing. And then on Sunday, bowl selection stuff comes out, and guess what? They get a bowl game and we don't. That's when you get screwed. Okay, but when you're Auburn or, or Michigan State or whoever and you go six and six, that's not good because you're playing four games a year, you should win. That means you only got to win two conference games to get in the bowl game. But anyway, I'm going to get off the soapbox, DJ. But six and six, I mean, we got to get out of this mode, man, of just because you go six and six, you get some kind of reward at the end of the season. We do it this way. You get 16 teams in, all right? The lower bowls get better teams in. It's betterment for the sport, okay? And if that's what we're trying to do, and everybody gets – I mean, everybody's going to get paid, okay? And I'm talking about the schools are getting paid, the money in the playoffs, all that stuff. I just think that's the – that's the right mode. Will it, will it go through? Well, me and you can put it through, but that'll be when you get your big-time job as commissioner of the NCAA. So. Anyway. I think it's perfect, Tyler, man.
2: We, we need to get you in the committee there so this can get done.
1: I know. It, they wouldn't. I'm serious. I could have this worked out in 20 minutes. Yes. It's not rocket scientist. It's just there's so much bureaucracy and politics. It just drives me freaking nuts, man. Like, this isn't hard. None of this stuff. When you go to committees, like, well, let's go to a committee today. You know what committees are? Committees are like, hey, i got to validate my job today. Okay? How about you put about five people in a room that actually know what the hell they're talking about, and you get shit done? And that's with the recruiting rules. That's with NCAA rules. That's with all this shit. Let's put about five people that know what the hell they're talking about and how what really is going to affect the game in a room, and then stop giving everybody freaking rewards. Okay? I mean, let's go. It's – Do you want what's better for the sport or not? And and that's what drives me nuts about all this. It's just, I don't know, gets me fired up, DJ. So what else you got, man? You got anything else for the the day? No, I'm good, up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Well, look, I want to thank everybody for listening. Make sure you subscribe uh, to us on uh, anywhere you can find us. We're on MPW Digital. We're on uh, Apple, Spotify, all that stuff with Home Visit. We're on YouTube. Uh, make sure you subscribe leave us your three-star review because you know we love it so much and until next time dj take care we'll see you man